you're a fan of the ABC show The Middle, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, Neil Flynn is a golden god, then you're in for a treat, because my guest today appeared in 27 episodes of The Middle as Axel's roommate Kenny. And although Kenny is a man of few words, much like the Big Lebowski's rug, he really tied the room together. And if you're a fan of Jimmy Kimmel Live, which again, I don't know why you wouldn't be, then you might recognize Tommy from his numerous appearances on Kimmel, often dressed as Princess Leia, and several times conversing with Harrison Ford. And yes, I'm very jealous of that fact. Tommy Bechtold, come on down. You're the next guest on Breakfast. Pick it up! Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. <laughs> my uh, guest today... Oh, I'm going to need to hear all about that. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> As you just said, you're not a prostitute. What? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food, too. I'm always playing blue-collar guys. Somebody screwed through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. Some salsa and some sour cream some guacamole. Who doesn't love that? It's breakfast time. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope. So, Tommy Bechtold, we met when we were both doing a sketch show at the now defunct R.I.P. I.O.S. Yes, yes. Top Story Weekly. Sorry, Weekly. It was a show that um, I feel like kept us very on top of our toes as far as learning new impressions, mm-hmm. uh, learning lines very quickly. Yes. And uh, great training ground for like some of the environments you run into when you're auditioning for TV shows. Absolutely. It, uh, it re- required you to be ready to learn a lot of lines in a short amount of time. And it also... On the other side, if you didn't have a lot of lines, it taught you how to make the most out of... Oh, yes. Just saying one or two. You and I, I know, really enjoyed... Vamp. Yes. Vamp. We, we liked when they would give us one or two lines and we could make a whole meal out of it. Oh, yes. Which is not a great <laughs> impulse always, but it's fun. It is fun. Yeah. Um... Uh, What's your favorite uh, impression that you kind of had to do through that whole process? There's one that you kind of sticks oh. with you that you still might do? Oh, I just always like doing Meatloaf, which was funny because he's never really, I mean, no offense to Mr. Loaf, super relevant, or hasn't been since like the, you know, early 80s. But it just involved yelling. Like, it was not a hard impression, and I don't think it was a particularly good one, but it was just me yelling into the microphone, like, singing. So hmm. that was my favorite one to do. When you say meatloaf, I'm not even sure who you mean. Well, I could see myself tearing at the wall faster than any other boy's ever gone. Or maybe I'm a huge meatloaf fan, right. Tommy. Yes. And I was jealous when you got... I played meatloaf sometimes, too. Yes. Actually, at my one of my wife's birthday parties, she had a murder mystery... Uh, thing where he had to dress in a, as a as a character, and I dressed up as Meatloaf. Amazing. And uh, <laughs> no one thought I was Meatloaf. They thought I was... <laughs> I, I don't remember who they thought I was, but it wasn't Meatloaf. I, I dressed as Meatloaf for Halloween one year, and I went all out with, like, the poet shirt and, like, the the pants, the rock and roll pants, the eyeliner, the wig. And people were like, are you like a, a pirate? You're like a fat pirate, right? And I was like, no, I'm meatloaf. I'm, I'm actually dressing as an overweight celebrity. I'm not even pretending like I'm Chris Pratt. I'm not dressing like fat Star-Lord. I'm dressing as a fat person. I'm leaning into it, and people don't. they still like, no, I don't get it. I don't know who you are. So. Oh, man. When you say, <laughs> I'm not dressing up as fat Star-Lord, right. you and I are both pleasantly plump guys. That's how I yeah, would describe us. Uh, uh, I'm a person of size, as the airlines <laughs> refer to it, <laughs> behind my back. Okay. <laughs> but so, not quiet enough that I can't hear you them. You know, uh, behind the scenes, breakfast, uh-huh. uh, 
all full disclosure, like when I first started doing the thing called breakfast, uh, I think the first time I ever had a meal that we called breakfast, which is you know just me and my friends going out to breakfast with Brent. It's just a s- stupid pun that we put two words together. Uh-huh. Um, I believe you were the first person I ever had breakfast with. I think so. And yeah. we and we uh, we both are guys that like breakfast and yeah. like chatting and hanging out while having breakfast. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that we discovered is like you know. As we're both people of size, as uh-huh. you would say, uh, we sometimes get sent on very similar type auditions. Yes. Uh, and and what we found interesting is the description. What they have, uh, they call a breakdown, which is like it just when you get an audition, it shows you this is how they describe the character, so it gives you something to work off of. Right. right? It's yeah. It's basically just a little quick. Um... Biography, not a biography, but like yeah, exactly what you just said. Yeah. So a lot of times, our our descriptors, and you, you can jump in here too with yeah. what you've seen. But I would see stuff like it's always like uh, overweight, right? Total loser, right? It's no one wants to hang out with this guy. Yeah. Never been laid, right? Never zero percent chance this person <laughs> could be touched by a woman or a man ever in an erotic way in their life, even if they could trick someone or hypnotize them they'd still not find them sexually desired like they really lean like they go so heavy on how gross you are for these breakdowns which is just unnecessary because they could just be like carl he's gus's friend and he sits on the couch and you'd be like all right so i get it instead we have uh think 20 ounces of sausage crammed into an eight ounce casing (laughs) carl imagine someone you just wish was dead uh He's the type of person that should never have been born, but since he was, he's made everyone's life a little worse. And We're going to describe this character so that the people can audition, but really, he doesn't deserve a description. No, right. And, it, like, the, the the breakdowns are kind of weird. And I, I imagine for women they're even worse. Like, you know, whether it's just describing how sexy the person is or how vapid they are like where it's just like you know like a man writing a breakdown for a hot woman is probably the worst thing in the world for anyone to read yeah (laughs) i was speaking with like a uh, an actor uh, female actor who's on several shows i won't mention her name but i'll probably have her on the show and then we can talk about this anyway she had a breakdown where uh it said a face only a mother could love wow (laughs) yeah yeah so i guess they have to describe what the characters are but sometimes it's like well do we need that specific description. Uh, I will tell you right now. I, I auditioned for a movie uh, a, a little while ago, and it, the breakdown described the guy, and it's like he's an English teacher who thinks that he's like a Viking or whatever, and it's like prone to uh, uh, well, prone to uh, loud flatulence was the last part. <laughs> I, the audition was eight pages. Never once in those eight pages was it brought up that this was a like there was that offered nothing for the audition. It was like th- there was no element of it in the script. I mean th- that I could tell. I mean I'm I'm sure it was in other pages, but it was like why did you have to write this? <laughs> like what? It was it like a warning? Like if you book this, you are. They're gonna like put a fart sound effect with your character at some point. It was crazy to me. It was. It's almost like they're saying. Uh... <clears throat> So you're reading the description of this person. Now, if you've read all of this and it seems like this person might be cool. Right. He's not. He's gross. (laughs) He's for sure gross. If you're thinking this is one of those people that's like a little overweight but still kind of sexy, he's not. He's disgusting, I assure you. You would not be getting that call, sir. Thank you. May God have mercy on your soul. Anyway, you know, so 
I guess it's something that's kind of necessary, but I do. It's interesting to explore whether they could find uh, less. I don't know what the word is, but ones that just don't make us feel so bad about ourselves. I feel like they are pr- pressured by their boss. I used to work as a casting assistant, okay. so I used to have to do breakdowns, but it was for animation. So you know, it wasn't as personal because it's cartoon. So people never, and half the time it was an animal. So it's like this is a mischievous squirrel. Well, whoever does the voice isn't going to be offended, but I think there's a pressure to fill out the page. So I think they sure. almost make these more – they add all these extra elements in to, like, justify their job taking as long as it took or whatever. <laughs> like, it's like – it's a we're a casualty of the fact that they have to add two more sentences to yeah. a breakdown. Well, that's uh, – yeah, that's just the life of us as the – what you call that, Tommy? Man of size. A person of size. Person of size. <laughs> Not my words. Auditions. <laughs> Southwest Airline. Another thing that uh, you and I used to do together, which I found was pretty fun, was an improv show, basically mm. a nerd improv show called Comic Book Live. Yes, yes, I, I, I love doing that show. We we did an improv show in full costume, which is a cardinal sin of, like, Chicago 1960s, 70s, and 80s improv. Yes. Like, the, like, wearing any costumes at all is forbidden, and that was basically the gimmick of our show. <laughs> and it also, you know, uh, for improv, it doesn't allow you to play other characters. You're yeah. stuck playing, I, you know, for that example, was the me, most, the Penguin. Right. That was the most frustrating thing about that show for me. I love doing the show, but being limited in an improv show to playing one thing because you're dressed a specific way drove right. me crazy because we would have times where we needed people to walk in as other characters, which I always wanted to, for, to have, like, three generic people in the show to just play everyone else, but... You can't do it. And no yeah. one wants to do that. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, interesting improv show. Just it actually required a little bit of research and you knowing about the character you're playing. Yes. And a uh, very niche audience, too. Right. It combines two of the most know-it-all fan bases of all time, comedy and comics. Mm-hmm. So if we didn't get things factually right, we heard about it after every show. Like People would come up and be like, I need to correct you on five things you said in your comedy show. Right. Which is an interesting experience. Interesting. Uh, another thing you're really known for, uh-huh. and I'll be honest, uh, I actually went back and found online a compilation of your appearances on Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. As the various audience members that you were, usually you're in the audience, uh, a couple times dressed as Princess Leia, like yes. you mentioned. I actually lost my job as a casting assistant so I could go do Kimmel. I had to pick. My boss was like, you can't leave you have to stay here and write breakdowns about a cartoon birds. And I was like, or I could go be on Jimmy Kimmel. So I had to kind of quit slash be fired from that job. Wow. Yeah. Uh, easy choice though, right? Oh yeah. I would do it a hundred times out of a hundred. I think easy choice. One, obviously you made the right one. You're amazing. And all those appearances. Well, Two, thank you. Is the job writing for cartoon uh, bird breakdowns, is that still available? Yes. Yes. Okay. I can forward I your can... resume. <laughs> Right on over. Uh, I mentioned at the top, how surreal is that? I mean, we've we've worked with some big actors, uh-huh. but have, actually having an interaction with Harrison Ford, Yeah, not only is he Han Solo, he's Indiana Jones, right. I loved him in, uh, in American Graffiti, mm-hmm. all those things. Was that exhilarating, nerve-wracking, all those things? How, it was how? Uh, amazing. It was awesome. But it was also terrifying in the way of, like, 
it's like being, I compare it to being a kid at Disney, like a little kid. You love Mickey Mouse. You watch Mickey Mouse on TV all the time. Then you get to Disney World and you see this character of Mickey Mouse and he's real. And like, how often do you see kids scream, running away screaming like they don't want to be near Mickey Mouse anymore? It was like, I've seen Indiana Jones. I've seen Star Wars. I can recite them all front to back. And then I saw him and I just didn't want to do anything to stand out to him in any way negatively. Like I was like, we had to go up and like shake hands, which was great. But I was like, don't shake his hand too hard or too light. Like, don't go in for a weird hug. Don't say anything weird. Like, don't walk up to him and say, why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> yeah, he didn't. It, yeah. I, I mean, I did do that. Oh, boy. It was a mistake. Well. But yeah, but it was just uh, kind of stressful, but it was fun. I mean, afterwards, I kind of couldn't believe it happened. And then. You know, it was great, though. That's cool. Yeah. Um, let's go to the middle where you did 27 episodes. Yes. I haven't had a show where I've done more than three episodes. So what is, what's that like being in, you know, being able to come back to the same kind of show so many times? Well, it was it was really lucky. I mean, it was definitely, uh, you know, good fortune. I didn't know when I got hired it was only for one episode. But... I remember I went in for to try on wardrobe, and they had, like, 15 outfits for me. So I was like, oh, it said possibly recurring, which for people who don't know are just getting into acting, recurring means you'll come back in another episode, possibly. So I was like, oh, I'm definitely coming back at least one more time because there's right. too many pajama pants and hoodies for me, which is all I ever wore, except for the last episode I wore a tuxedo randomly. But... uh I was like, there's just too much, like, stuff here. So it was cool in the way that, like, you know, you get to be familiar with a cast and crew in a way that if you're a day-playing actor, you don't normally get. Like, it was like, you know, it was, like, like close to being a part of the gang as you can. And, and everybody was very nice to me on it. It, it, it. For me, it was a little stressful year to year just because I never knew for sure that I was going to be back. They would always say, like, we're having you back at the rap party, and I would feel good about it, but I would never find out until like a couple weeks before whatever episode I was going to do. So yeah. it was always a little bit like nerve wracking that way. Now, I haven't seen all the appearances. Were Did you ever have any scenes where Neil Flynn was there? Yes. Okay. Because yes. Neil Flynn to me, gosh, he's kind of like uh, one of my comedic heroes. Uh, yeah, he's unbelievable. He's very funny. And I knew him from being an intern at IO. Okay. In Olympics, so I had met him before. And if you don't know Neil Flynn, like I think, Legendary. other than the middle, which he was on, how many seasons? The middle nine, nine seasons, and then nine of the, Scrubs. I think. And Scrubs, he played the janitor, which is just like a breakout role. I am such a fan of his that one time my friend wrote a pilot where I was playing uh, very uh, Neil Flynn as the janitor type character, and they mm -hmm. said you can name this character whatever you want, and I named the character Neil. Yes. You know, yeah. and then, of course the pilot didn't get picked up, but still, that shows you that I have great respect for him. So, yeah. I, you know, I can't imagine being on set with him. That's that's amazing. Yeah, and he was he was he was wonderful. He's very funny. He's very dry. He's exactly what you'd want him to be. You know, it's like right. he's, there's no, he's not like you know overly gentle or anything. But he's he's super nice. He was he was great. He was a lot of fun. He's always. So he's so quick witted. It's like you know unfair. Yeah, like he would have a line for everything, but what's uh any that's twenty seven episodes. Anything yeah. crazy ever happened on set that you that you can share? Oh yeah, well I mean they like the the one episode where we were in um, the Winnebago, which is where we lived when we were in college. We yeah. lived in a Winnebago. It started on fire, which was on purpose, but. 
They really like it was like I didn't quite understand how on fire it was going to be until I was in there. <laughs> like I knew it because I read the script and I did the table read and everything. So I was like, I know I'm going to be in this thing. It's going to be on fire. But like once I got in there and they set it ablaze and I had to stand and say lines, I was like, this is crazy. Like it's so hot. It's real fire. They're running in and extinguishing it after every take and then like firing it back up again. It was pretty crazy. And then the second to last season, I got buried alive in snow. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I mean, I was, like I said, it was a great job. But because, because, but it all kind of paid off. It was because the Winnebago's roof had burned off in the fire. So we were driving around a Winnebago (laughs) with no roof in what was supposed to be Indiana, but was secretly Burbank. So it was like 102 degrees. But so I had fake snow on me and I was breathing like, I had to hold my breath, then they had to set the snow over me, then they had to get everything going, and then call action, and then, so. Wow. It was, yeah, it was exciting. Interesting. Uh, let's go back to Kimmel for a second. Sure. When you do those uh, things on Kimmel, what's uh-huh. the what's the process of that? Well, it all comes together very fast. Like, it's like, you know, I usually get called the day of or the day before, and then I get some sort of working script, but they're constantly rewriting. You know, it's late night, and it's basically live to tape, so... They're perfecting it all the way. You go in and then you rehearse it once without Jimmy, where you just do it with like the the stage manager, and they kind of do notes and you get feedback, and then you rehearse it once with Jimmy if it's a big enough bit. You know, I've done ones that were not important enough, or or, or just were. I think they just were like, "This will go the way it's going to go." We're, we're pretty sure. So like, sometimes you don't get to do a rehearsal with him, and you just have to go out and do it live, and that's a little more harrowing. But usually, if you do a rehearsal with him, I can pretty much tell. If it's going to, like, really kill or if it's going to be, you know, I'm going to have to, like, sell certain things about it because it's, I mean, the writing is so funny on that show and it has, you know, it it all funnels through his voice, like, more so than any other late night show, I think. Well, Colbert kind of now, but, like, it's 100% his tone. Like, Jimmy Kimmel Live from start to finish is his show. He's got his fingerprints on everything. Right. But it's great. It's really fun. It's just super chaotic, and then it's over very fast. And then you just go, then you walk outside of the theater, the El Capitan Theater, onto Hollywood Boulevard and like rejoin the masses. Like it's such a funny experience. Like you're like, I was just on national television, and now I'm walking to my car in a parking garage past the Dave and Busters. And like, (laughs) this is kind of cool. Like I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in that audience before. Uh, You know, one of our friends, Tom Rapetto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he still works on the show, but I think did might. for a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, could help us get tickets in, and it's it's such a fun. Uh, as far as live tapings go, it's one of the most fun that I've gone to. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, cool. Well, I kind of buried the lead because you've got a new project coming up. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, a Netflix movie it was actually a sponsor. Yes. Of the Breakfast Podcast. Unbelievable. It's the new Netflix movie coming out in September, and you are a part of this. Yes. The Laundromat. Tell yes. us about that project. So the Laundromat is a movie based on the Panama Papers, which is a uh, bunch of documents that basically uh, described in detail how all these like big government people uh, laundered money internationally. Okay. So there's a book called Secrecy Wars, and this is adapted from that. But it's told in vignettes, like the movies plays out in vignettes. So it's like a huge cast, a lot of a lot of uh, celebrities, and then you know a lot of us regular people. But it's it's super fun. 
And it's written by the guy who wrote uh, The Born Identity and uh, The Informant. And okay. directed by Steven Soderbergh, who yeah. directed, you know. Oh, was that all? Steven Soderbergh? Which was amazing. That's the best director you could get. Right. So, you know, <laughs> I have a little part. I play an elephant trainer in it, and I just basically yell at a caterer. So it was fun. It was kind of cool. Like, they kind of just let me go. Like, there was script. There was script, and I remember I, like, had my lines down pat, because I was very nervous about just making sure I had those down. And then, like, the second I said them right one time, he was like, yeah, just do it. Say whatever you want this time. Isn't that the best thing yeah. on a set when you and I, both as improvising people, mm-hmm. uh, will do a scene and then once we've kind of got it in the can, they allow you to just like yeah. try things? Yeah, and I will tell you, it was one of the more surreal moments of my life was the, me, the other guy, Elijah, who was the other actor in the scene, and then the writer, his name is Scott something, I can't remember, and then, and then Steven Soderbergh are in a huddle improvising dialogue together for, like, a next take. Like, I mean, that was one of those times where I had to really, as an actor, like, take a second, take a breath, and be like, this is a moment you're going to want to hang on to when it's all over and whenever, like, like, when you look back, like, this is a cool, really cool day for me. You know, it was, like, a really great moment, and I, like... I, I had to make sure I took a second to appreciate it because so often I get nervous, you know, to do a good job on set. You just kind of you want it to be over. It's like you you more are waiting for the experience to be over and just to not screw it up. Like I think which that's that's a, a mindset I try and get out of, but I fall into too much acting is like just don't screw it up instead of being like really enjoying yourself. There. Right. Well, congratulations on that. We all can't wait. Uh, so happy to have it as part of the breakfast. Lore, unbelievable uh, the that, they, that they sponsored us. Thank you. And well, it's going to be coming out sometime in September. Uh, where can we see it before then? Before it comes out in Well, if you're in Toronto or Venice, it's at the Toronto Film Festival and the Venice Film Festival. So go there and see it, and look for me for you know anywhere from five seconds to thirty seconds in the movie. And and you've also got huge names in the movie: yes. Meryl Streep, Gary Oldman, uh, Sharon Stone. Antonio Banderas, David Schwimmer, Will Forte, Jeffrey Wright, uh, James Cromwell, Robert Patrick, bunch of people. Yeah. Now, good crew. This this sounds like a recipe for a star actor recipe for success. All these people, right? Uh, a man, a plan, a canal, Panama. <laughs> yes. The best. <laughs> <laughs> The the greatest palindrome in the history of the world. Yeah. Uh, so this movie is based on the Panama Papers. So yeah. think Which about is all just those that things. palindrome written over and That's over again. Right. I made that whole first part up. <laughs> gotcha. Well, congrats on that, and uh, everybody, be sure to to check that out on Netflix when it comes out in September. The Laundromat. Yes. Now, uh, let's get into a little bit where you grew up. I know it was uh, Rochester, New York. Is that Rochester, New York, the Flower City. Why is it called the Flower City? Well, it used to be the Flower City, F-L-O-U-R, flower, because they produced a lot of baking flour. But then they stopped making baking flour there, so they changed it to the Flower, F-L-O-W-E-R, city, because there's flowers that grow there. Unlike most of the world, which is barren of flowers, Rochester still maintains a strong lilac presence, hence the Lilac Festival every April. That is something that I did not know before that I know now. And you don't don't need to know it. (laughs) In fact, we're all a little did, worse. Did growing up in Rochester uh, influence your comedy in some way? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, Rochester has a really, really rich, like, theater and comedy community. There was always comedy clubs open. We have a really nice one now called Comedy at the Carlson, which is an amazing venue that just opened two years ago that gets great comics. And, uh, and then we have Jiva Theater downtown, which does a lot of uh, 
great locally produced shows, and then we have uh, you know traveling Broadway shows coming in all the time. So I was able to see a lot of live performance, and I never did a, a single live performance until I was in my twenties. Like I was like I saw it a bunch. I always wanted to do it, and then I just never could talk myself into it. That's I. You told me that before, and I found that so fascinating because when you see people that have done a lot of TV shows and movies, like as you and I have both have now, uh-huh. you have the uh, usually think like, well, they must have been doing things since they were like two years old. Sure, yeah. And I think for anyone coming up who wants to be an actor, or, or even mm-hmm. if you're a little bit older, you're in your 20s, your 30s, and you want to yeah. become an actor, doesn't mean you can't because you didn't start that age. No, I don't think there's any, there's certainly no age you have to start by. It's not like Olympic gymnastics where it's like if you're not, you know. Or um, being a Jedi. Right. Well, yeah. Too old is he? Yeah, well, we all saw what happened to the young Jedis, didn't we? Thank you. Anakin took them out <laughs> pretty easily. Anyway. Who are your uh, comedic influences? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, growing up, I absolutely loved Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. Okay. When I was a kid. Uh, Rick Moranis. Yeah. Basically anyone in Ghostbusters. But, <laughs> I like, but Rick Moranis for other things, though. I loved Honey, I Shrunk the Kids when I was a little kid. Uh, who My else? My f- favorite Rick Moranis is uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, he's wonderful in that yeah. as well. I liked him in that, uh, what was that movie, Parenthood? I think so. With Steve Martin? Like oh, the Parenthood, yeah. 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 It's a good one. Uh, is there a trait that you think you have that makes you... Oh, and John Candy was my absolute, like, you know, unbelievable. Oh, wow. He's been gone for something like 25 years it's now. Crazy. Which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, is, there, is there a trait that you think you, you possess that makes you successful that you would say is the one thing that is your biggest indicator of success? I think that... I mean, it's hard to say something like that about yourself. You know what I mean? Like, sure. This is what, but I think that I'm one thing I dig deep well, one thing I strive yourself, to Tommy. do is be as genuine as possible. Uh huh. And I think that helps me. You know, like I don't really have it in me to be like pathological about stuff. So yeah. I, I feel like I can kind of like what you see is what you get for better or for worse. Like I'm not gonna like surprise you with some like. Strange behavior once you hire me, which I have certainly been on the other side of where you like are with people and you start to collaborate with them and you're like, oh, you're secretly a maniac. And I did not see that coming. Right. So, uh, anyway, yeah. I is, guess there, that's... is there something that you that you uh, know now, having gone through all the trials and tribulations of Hollywood, that you wish you knew when you started out that would have saved you some time? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, let me see. I used to have a checklist I would give people when they would move here because I, 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 I'm sure you get this too. A lot of family and friends, then when they know you've been out here for a while and they know people who want to move out here, they'll refer. They'll kind of mm-hmm. be like, "Hey, can you spend a few minutes with them?" So I, right. I used to make a checklist up to save people time. One is I, I wish I had done improv way younger. Yeah, I wish I would have started improv in high school. I wish I wouldn't have been so scared to get on stage. It, I mean, like I. It was such a small leap that was just like felt like the wall was a mile high, and it was such a little thing to just get up in my first improv class and start doing the thing I had been doing at parties my entire life, which was just forcing people to have conversations with me that I right. like, would maneuver in comedic avenues. And, you know, I mean, improv is certainly something that you get better and better at with practice, and like, you know, just being naturally funny can't sustain you in improv for sure you have to know yes. the technique of it but i just yeah i wish i had done it earlier and i'm gl- i'm glad i've done so much of it now but i really 
And I guess, like, kind of going back to what I said before, I wish I wasn't so afraid when I first started of, like, messing up. Like, I wish I was more... I wish I knew that, like, for the most part, everybody screws up and every like it's it's built into the scheduling for you to screw up at least two or three times sure. per angle <laughs> like you know most so anyway yeah you mentioned that you had a checklist uh, that you give people uh-huh. i have a checklist also now that i've done uh, a bunch of tv shows i have a checklist too right. those it's, are people you're going to kill though right no 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 oh no. tommy that's crazy it's right, we'll just cut that stuff out. like it's just stuff like don't look me in the eyes. Oh yeah! Don't step in front of me. Don't interrupt me while I'm talking to my well, powerful Hollywood friends. I know you scolded friends. me five times today. <laughs> no, that's very, that's, those are interesting things. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. One last thing, yeah. and then we're gonna get out of here, Tommy. Okay. And this has been, you know, a delightful experience. Is this I the love... best one you've done? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we have to talk really He's quick. Shaking his head, Ooh. no. So <laughs> we have to talk about one more thing. Okay. And we're. Uh, we went out and had our breakfast meal. Yes. And it was at BB's Cafe. Breakfast is everything. That's the yeah. slogan. Yeah, in that is Burbank, of, I yeah. believe it is. Uh, what did you think of BB's? What did you have? Oh, man, I am bonkers for BB's. I, I loved it. I had the Country Benedict, which was just an unnecessary uh, contributor to my weight problem, but it was delicious. <laughs> yeah. same, same for me. I had uh, shrimp and grits. Absolutely. Shrimp and grits should be good for you. Oh, what a well, betrayal that it should it's, be, that right? It's not. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I have a hard time passing up uh, shrimp and grits, no I matter what. It's almost yeah. just like almost the perfect breakfast food to me. Yeah. Uh, the creaminess of the grits, the shrimp, the mm-hmm. richness of it. But b- both were really good. Yeah. I thought BB's was it was super packed in there, yeah. and very po- so obviously very popular place. Always. Yeah. Um, Far as like you know, we always talk about it being a creative type place. I don't know if it's a place where I would go to like sit down and write because it no. seems like you have to kind of, you know, it's one of those places where they, yeah, you're going to keep it moving. I don't think they really foster that in there, right? Either, exactly, like, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but we always like to give the whole picture of the place. Absolutely. The food is delicious, though. I would say that staff's and we, very friendly, and uh, yeah. yeah, and I'll definitely be back there. And there's a nice waiting area outside, and yeah, uh, yeah. yes, it's very. It was a very very tasty place. I liked it. Uh, when in the future. There's going to be a, th- a movie called The Tommy Bechtold Story. Oh, yeah. Who is going to play Tommy Bechtold in that story? Mm, the breakdown is going to be Tommy Bechtold. He is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Total loser. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. I, I think they're going to have to make a Muppet or something. I don't know. Like, who could, my brother could play me, my yep. little brother. He's he's very good at imitating me and making fun of me. I feel like my brother would be the best person the to best play The best person me. to play the Tommy yeah. Bechtold Story? yeah. Nice. What's the log line for that story? In space, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> uh, I think that's been used before, but it somehow applies yeah, yeah. to you. Yeah. Yes. Well, thanks so much for coming in. This has been an absolute blast. And uh, we're going to go have regular breakfast where we're not recording, too. Can't in the wait. In near future. But thank you for coming in. Uh, Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you would like to interact more with both myself and the show and see behind-the-scenes items, such as pictures of Tommy Bechtold and I having breakfast at BB's Cafe, there are several places you can go. You can follow the Instagram uh, account for breakfast at Brentfast Podcast, and you can follow my personal Instagram and Twitter accounts at Scoops Pope. My website can be found at brentpope.com, and you can also follow my Facebook actor page. Tommy, yeah. uh, anything else you want to plug, and uh, where are you at on the social media? Uh, you can find me on all social medias at Tommy Bechtold, just how my name is spelled. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, you can catch me on uh, the Caffeine Streaming 
Network uh, doing Live from the Eighth Dimension. I do voices for that now. So check out the Caffeine app on your mobile device or check it out on their YouTube page because it's all there archived. And it's um, a lot of fun. Amazing. Yeah. And thanks for all thanks for all the stuff that you contributed today. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Likewise. Uh, thank you so much for having me. And everybody out there, thank you so much for listening. We can't do it without you. I have been your host, Brent Pope, along with my guest, Tommy Bechtold. And that's another episode of Brentfest in the old to-go bag. Mm-hmm.